This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to A Real Man Wood Podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host from Rotowire, And I am talking to Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, dude? Happy New Year. Thanks, Sam. To you, Liz. Um, my son is about to turn one. Went to the doctor last night. 103.5 degree temperature, ear infection in both ears, and I've been sick for like 10 days. So just just kind of miserable right now. But um, I don't know. How are you doing, Liz? Did you have a good New Year's? I, mine was pretty boring. Even even more boring than I suggested it would be. <laughs> mine was good. Went to Porto, which I, I mentioned last week. It's northern Portugal. And Heather had a kind of. She used to live in Argentina. She had a kind of reunion with people she used to know there. And one couple lives in Porto with their kids. And so we all met, and we were kind of like boozing, but there were like six kids with us, but the kids kind of played with each other. And I watched the uh, NFL games. I didn't watch them. I tracked them on my phone with horrible Wi-Fi at this pizza place uh, and just drank copious amounts of wine while trying to convince people to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, I saw that in your column that you wrote about that. That's funny. How did, how did that take? What do, what do the foreigners uh, think of this Bitcoin? Well, th- these guys were mostly Brits. There was uh, an Argentine and there were, uh, i trying to think, yeah, some Americans actually. And the British guy who's, who's really sharp, I really like this guy. I hung out with him twice. I hung out with him last year in Wales and then this year in Porto. And uh, he, was, he used to be a banker, I think, or a lawyer. I think he was a banker. And at first he was, he was debating it with me and he was sort of on board, but he had a lot of questions and he was skeptical. And then... I was pretty drunk, but I, I remember laying out a really clear argument, and he was like, you've got me. You've convinced me. I'm going to go buy some. <laughs> I don't remember what I said. It was something like it was something to do with, like, in the financial crisis in 2008, they just basically blew it. Like, they just had a chance to just take their medicine and let the banks fold and let the chips fall and let the monetary system be legitimate and have it play out. But instead, they just printed a shitload of money and then just basically it ended then it's just we don't know it yet because it's like it's kind of like the uh coyote you know he runs off the cliff and he hasn't looked down yet but we're kind of already over that cliff and it's only a matter of time well i hope you're right about bitcoin because uh, we've talked about it here but i i officially did uh purchase some about like three days ago i finally did it man nice good for you do you have it on coinbase or something yep coinbase yep yeah okay so the next step is going to be like figuring out cold storage Wallet. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. I don't want to bore the podcast, but yeah, there's like a wallet I need to figure out, right? Yeah, I mean like the Ledger or the Trezor are two good ones, and basically you you got to read about them and figure it out. It's not that hard, but it's a little bit 
it, it's a little bit um, discouraging at first, but it'd probably take you an hour. And then what you do is when you buy one, they're like 70 bucks. You got to send yourself like two bucks, even though the fee to send it is expensive. But you send like two bucks worth over there, and then you see if it's there. And then you write down what's called your seed, which is 24 words. They're random words, and they could regenerate your basically your Bitcoin if you were to your treasure or your ledger were to break. So you write those down, and then you purposely delete the money from your treasure or your wallet, whichever one you have, and then you go plug it back in, and you try to reconstitute it from the seed. And if you can do that, then you know you're good, because then you know you have the information you need to act, to create the private key that connects you to the money that you've bought. So that's sort of the next step. It's it sounds a little bit complex. It's it's not really. I mean, once you learn it, it's it's pretty simple. Then you get in the whole paranoia of like, okay, well, where do I write down the seed? And what if someone finds the seed? And then you read about it and they're like, well, you need to put it in a place that nobody can find, including your family. But if you did die, they would find it <laughs> and know what to do with it too. But, right. You know, I it, think I already wrote down some number where they told me to do that. I don't know if it was that's the for double Coinbase. Number. That was for Coinbase. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. When you, get a, yeah. when you get a hardware wallet, cold storage, meaning it's stored offline, like your Bitcoin, right. so nobody could possibly hack it, then you uh, will have the wallet. I mean, if you, as long as you have the wallet and plug it in and it works, then you don't need the seed. But the seed is there, and you shouldn't like store it in a file on your computer because it could be hacked. You just write it down on a piece of paper or twice or five times or whatever and put it in various places and make sure if your house burns down that you know it's safe. Like You can put it in like a fireproof box or bury it in your yard or whatever. There's lots of people who get all paranoid about it. And I mean, if you have a little bit of money in it, don't worry about that yet. But you should be getting it off of Coinbase sooner rather than later. Okay. And I can wait. Okay. So, you know, I mean, what, what would happen if I didn't do that step? It's good. It takes like what a week to transfer to me, right? The money. I mean, sorry, the money, yeah, the money I bought, the amount I bought. Yeah. So it's like a week. It'll be in Coinbase. I mean, the chances that anything happens imminently are slim, but basically if Coinbase has your keys, your private keys, which it does when you buy in Coinbase, then you don't really own it, right? You basically have to ask Coinbase permission to have it. Right. And Coinbase, who the fuck knows, right? If shit goes down, why wouldn't they take off? It's not really, you know, it's like, I mean, obviously the people who run the company are super rich now from doing this. So they have a huge incentive not to steal from you, but, you know, you can get hacked. There's just lots of shit. So it's better to control it yourself. But then it's kind of like you're keeping some money under the mattress and you just got to, like, keep it safe. There's been people, like, kidnapped and, like, held at gunpoint and, like, forced to give up their seed to like take their Bitcoin. It's not like writing a check where it can be canceled. Once it's gone, it's gone. I mean, that, right. that's, you know, it's, it's irreversible. So that's, that's going to be a hazard and, and they're going to have to figure out something about it. All right. I'll bug you further backstage about that yeah, stuff. Exactly. It's, it's not a Bitcoin podcast and I'm not really qualified to say anything beyond the very rudimentary steps. Well, that's never stopped even talking about football. So why start? <laughs> no, it has not. And, and, and it will not in the future. But two and three last week in the Super Contest, ending a subpar year, although we did finish, whatever, uh, 44 and a half points. What's that, like 876th place, it looks like, out of a few thousand. The, the coolest thing is we did not one week out of 17 go one and four or worse, which is, I don't know, I still f feel like that's pretty uh, impressive. If we could guarantee that next year, I feel like we'd win some money. If we get that's we won't. We probably will go one and four on week, but that that's actually hard to do. Never to go one and four or on five. Of course, it doesn't matter. We didn't cash or anything, but still, uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm encouraged by that, and uh, hopefully, we learn from our mistakes and come back strong next year. Exactly. Just go with my picks, and we'll be fine. 
<laughs> you keep telling yourself that. You, you have some horrible. What was your horrible one last year? The Raiders last week. The Raiders. Uh, the God, Raiders. that was even mocked on Twitter too. But I just put that all on you before it happened too. I'm like, that's all live. Yeah, the Raiders. Yeah, well, you're the Redskins. That was a great pick. Yeah, no, that was me for sure. No, that actually cost them in another pool where where you uh, it's a pretty big buy in and you you pick five games each week and uh, that we went four and one this week and me and my partner and my the one loss was Washington so believe me I, I I'm feeling that one and it's too bad the, the 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 freest money I've seen Vegas give over a five week span was the 49ers the last uh, the last month and it's too bad that gravy train's come to an end. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, they should just put them in the playoffs just to see what happens. But it, it's they just refuse to adjust. And this is what happens. You have this sort of general rule, which is that teams are basically their full season selves. And even if they get on a run for three or four games, that full season body of work is what determines how strong they are. And so you have all these systems like, you know, Massey Peabody and the way Vegas handicaps games and all that generating these lines that are based on their full season. And the truth is, those systems are correct, that usually that is the case, that if a team gets hot for one or two weeks or three weeks, it, you don't ignore what they were before they got hot. But this was one of the exceptions where clearly they were a different team with Garoppolo, not only offensively, but just resting their defense and getting guys like Ruben Foster back on defense made a big difference, and that they just refused to deviate from what usually happens. and They just kept pricing the Niners like it was the full-season team. And truly free money was against the Rams, where it was priced as though the Niners were the original Niners from six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. And then the Rams, on top of that, had a huge risk of, of sitting their starters, and they did. And then it was just ridiculous what a good deal it was. Yeah, especially, well, imagine if you hammer the Niners when they opened as three-point dogs, too. Right. That That's been what I mean. The, yeah. the, you know, make the Niners three-point dogs or three-and-a-half-point dogs, whatever they were originally. Okay, that's what you mean. Okay, yeah. well, I still thought it was even, I don't know, man, even approaching game time, it became clear that even giving three or four points seemed like a steal. I mean, obviously, it's easy to say now, but the Rams well, It was were easy true. to say. It was easy to say. I mean, the Rams were just tanking the game, and right. the Niners crushed Jacksonville the week before. They should have been minus eight, you know, something yeah. like that. Right, yeah. No, anyway, pretty exciting offseason uh, as a 49ers fan. But, man, they're just going to be so, so hyped. It's going to be very a very odd feeling. But, uh, anyway, that's uh, – yeah, we won with that one. And, uh, overall, a horrendous year against the spread for me. What did you finish with, Liz? I was 7 under 500, so it was not a good year for me either. Maybe 8 under 500, 117 and 125 and 14, something like that. But, yeah, compared to you, I was like Nostradamus. Yeah, and I've been doing it with you and the staff picks Rotowire, what, about 10 years, and this is easily my, my worst. I like only have one or two other below 500, but this, not, this was embarrassing. Just, this isn't just your worst. This, is, this may be the all-time worst year <laughs> we've ever had in the staff picks. I think Romo one year had a, had a year like this, and so it doesn't bode well for you what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure who was most uh, inebriated while making their picks either. Yeah, I'm sure it was him. 100%. No, that's bad. It was a, it was a really awful year, and I apologize to anyone who did not fade me exclusively. But yeah, what can I say? The games got themselves wrong. I think more exactly. Than that's how I feel. You know, I deviated from my firm conviction about just I, I first half of the year. I really just tried to pick based on my subjective belief, and then I kind of got caught up in my record and wanted to do well. And I think I got away from that, and that hurt me. And then by the end, when I was saying subjective belief, I think I was just going full on square. Like I was just laying 16 points like, nah, this team's going to win. They're better. You know, you got to be very careful when you're like, oh, I just want to take the team I want to take because right. everybody wants to take the favorite. Everybody wants to take the team with all the good players facing the team with the shit backup quarterback. But that's 
that's why the line is what it is, right? I mean, it's, the line's never 30. It's just, it's never more than like 16 and a half. Right. Did you uh, happen to catch any college bowl games? No. Nah. I was in that nah. Brad Evans pool. You and I were tied. I was doing pretty well because I was using the Massey Peabody picks. So Nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm in another one. Uh, yeah, the spread one. I'm also in a confidence pool where you rank all the games one through 41 because there are 41 bowl games. And I actually did really well. And I don't follow college at all. I just did a little research. But uh, it made the games worthwhile. But um, you got anything else for me? You see Trump's tweet the other day? The button? Yeah, he's saying he's got the bigger nuclear button and his works. Don't you think that's pretty funny? I mean, the people are so alarmed about that. They're like, oh, it's going to happen. We're going to be in a nuclear... I mean, to me, that's a bit nutless monkey to be thinking like that. Like, I even tweeted from the nutless monkey account how scared, how scary it is. It's not normal to be tweeting that, but I just don't know why people think that that means we're going to have a nuclear war because he made, like, some, like, sick burn tweet that's, like... A true and B absurd. Because why said, are you poking them? Like what? What? What in the world good is that going to do? But do you really like, think like this? Way, like, like nobody. Of course, really, it's not rational that that would have any consequence. But the that the whole point is that you know they aren't rational. Isn't that the kind well, of the first word? of all? I don't. The idea that they're not rational seems to me like unclear. Like this dude, if he sure. wasn't rational, he should have nuked us five years ago. But. He didn't want to die, so he didn't do it. I mean, he may be a madman or he may be a sociopath, but it doesn't mean he's not rational. It's like Saddam Hussein was a bad guy. It doesn't mean he wasn't rational. Sure. Like, it's just because you're a bad, just because you're evil or you do bad things doesn't make you mean that you don't understand self-preservation. But secondly, it, it's, it's not that. It's just if he's just some irrational maniac, then we have no idea what would set him off or not set him off. Maybe he's terrified now. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he thinks it's funny. Who knows? But the idea that it's like, this is, this is going to do it. Like people are so simple minded. Like, Oh, well the tweet is going to, because he, because, and what did he really say? He didn't say we're going to launch it at you. He's just saying, well, you said you have a button on your desk. Guess what? I got a bigger button. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like there's a cause. I mean, you might say what an absurd clown is our president. I could see that response. But to get all serious, like, oh, my God, this is the end of the world. It's so dangerous. To me, that's like just an unhinged response to that situation. Um, I, I, understand, I can appreciate your stance that it's, it might be wrong to just assume that they are irrational. But I don't know. I think just the stories of like his, his dad claiming he got like six hole-in-ones the first time he played golf. And like he – He's mean, just like Trump. He's just like Trump. That's Trump says shit like that director. too. You know, he like kidnapped the famous foreign director and like made him make films for himself, right? Like, it was some crazy story. A real man, that's the kind of thing a real man would do. You know, if a real man has absolute power, he'd definitely kidnap some directors and get films made. All that said, like, I'm, I'm not saying those guys aren't crazy. I'm just saying that you can be crazy in one way, but also be totally self-preserving. I think most sociopathic dictators are mostly self-preserving unless the walls are about to cave in so they may as well press the button before they go. But who knows? What the fuck do I know? I mean, we just don't know how it's going to play out. I just think it's so funny that everybody is so terrified. They think this jokey tweet, which is just, he's not even threatening him. He's just saying, hey, you know, by the <laughs> way, too, you right. want to talk, you want to talk, you know, you want to do like a dick measuring contest. Yeah, they're measuring, exactly. You know, it's like, I've got the U.S. nuclear button and you've got this piddly little one. I mean, that is funny. And it's also some shit talk. I don't know. It, to me, it's just... You know, if you want to say it's not presidential, fine. You want to say this guy's a clown, he shouldn't be doing that for other reasons, for like, you know, other relationships in the world, and it's embarrassing, fine. I, I, I'm all on board. But to get like totally scared, like you're about to build a bomb shelter because of that tweet, like, that's some nutless monkey shit, in my opinion. Yeah. You just don't know. You just don't know how this shit's going to play. You have no idea how, what affects what. You have no fucking idea. 
You know, you can't even, we can't even get the shit right against the spread. And you're trying to, like, handicap nuclear, you know, world affairs with some sociopath you don't really know except through your own media propaganda. And then the president who's, I mean, you can't handicap what's going to happen. It's just absurd. Yeah, isn't there some, I forget, there's some, like, clock or something that says we're two and a half minutes. There's some sort of thing out there that, that tracks this and basically... It does suggest we're the closest we've been to an all-out nuclear war right now. Do you know yeah, what I'm talking about? Yeah, but I think that shit's political. Like, I don't, I, I just, I don't know, man. I'm going down a rabbit hole between, like, the fiat currency being totally arbitrary and pretty much on, on its deathbed with what they did in the 2008 that people are just starting to dig into to, like, you know, to, to the idea of, of every little thing. Like, oh, this is it. The experts say we're almost over. Who the fuck's funding that and what, why and what, what's their agenda? I don't believe any of that shit. I'm not saying it's impossible that that's the case. Sure, it could happen, and sure, there could be a nuclear war. We have nuclear weapons. We've used nuclear weapons. We're the only country that's ever used them, by the way. No one else has ever used them. All the supposedly psychotic countries that have had them for all these years, they never use them. So, you know, I mean, it's certainly possible they could be used. We also almost had a couple accidents, just had nothing to do with war. There's some crazy stories uh, about almost nuclear, nuclear bombs almost going off, one like over North Carolina. If you Google that, it's, it's very crazy. But to just sit around and like, I, I just don't believe anybody. I don't believe anybody anymore. All the shit they said is just wrong. It's like, oh, well, Hillary's going to win. Trump has no chance. Oh, uh, housing prices can't go back down. You know, it's not a bubble. Boom, the whole you know, economy collapses. Why, why would you trust any of those, any of the establishment media? The media has been wrong about every single thing. Did you read the DFS story a couple of years ago in the New York Times when that whole DFS controversy was going on? About the, like, knowing information of ownership? It, it, it touched on that, but it started comparing DFS sites like FanDuel to, you know, these illegal uh, offshore gambling operations where people had to meet in an alley and get a bag of cash. Do you remember that? <laughs> I don't know if I do. It, like, conflated... It was just so off base. Like there was a story, and those DFS companies did push push the limits, and they got burnt, and they fucked the industry in some to some extent. I mean, it's not like th there was a story there, and there was some shit going down. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I know exactly this article. It was okay. really long, right? Yeah, yeah I know. A New York Times article. Yeah, there was a real story. They should have been covering it, but it was so badly covered. And I read this from this other guy. He said, if you ever read a mainstream media story about a subject that you really know intimately because you're involved in it. And you right. see how bad it is. And then you just go and read like about foreign affairs as if it's totally true. Exactly. No, that's a great, great Because you don't know about foreign You're like, ah, I guess that is what's happening. It, the truth is anybody and everybody knows different subjects. So like anybody who knows the subject is like, these fuckers don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They got this totally wrong. I mean, I know yeah. a lot about health. The New York Times health section is a fucking joke. Like, they're, they're uh, columnists that talk about what's healthy. Once in a while, they touch on something that's true that I knew 15 years ago, and they'll act like it's a new discovery. Maybe animal fat is not bad for you. The level of coverage, and these are the best newspapers. New York Times, Washington Post, these aren't the shit newspapers. These are the ones with the highest editorial standards. I yeah, don't so believe them. I don't believe them. You know, and it's, so it's like, imagine, I don't fucking know, like, what's, you know, what's what. So, anyway, I've gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but... but yeah, so... I, so I, that doomsday clock, who the fuck knows if that means anything? Yeah, it's doomsday. I, I looked it up. You're right. Yeah, doomsday clock. And who knows what that means? Two and a half minutes to minute. Uh, closest. But, but, but who's setting it? Like, who's paying for that? Who's funding that? You know, I mean, it's just you have to keep asking that stuff because it's like, it, who the fuck knows? And, and you say, well, no, 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 no. It's, it's legitimate. People like so-and-so from the New York Times cited it, whatever. And you're like, okay, that just means it's well-funded. 
that, that just means it's not like some guy in his basement. It's actually like a group of people with PhDs. It probably is. But a group of people with PhDs doesn't mean shit. I mean, there's lots of guys with PhDs who write for the New York Times, who, who, you know, who they interview for the New York Times, and New York Times was saying there were weapons of you know, WMDs in Iraq. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's like you have to look critically at everything. Maybe by tomorrow I'll be dead and I'll be wrong. And I'll say, right before it hits, I'll say, you know what? I was wrong in the podcast. Dalton was right. Yeah, so Chuck Klosterman, I uh, heard him once say that he, uh, he found the last season of The Wire um, really un- hard to, to watch because he, he'd been in a – he'd lived in the newsroom himself. And he just found it like cartoonish and completely unrealistic. And he said that made him, in turn, question all the other seasons, which he found amazing previously, right. because he had no clue what that, what, what, what the real it was like Baltimore and drug dealing and the cop side of things. He had no reference personally, so he just assumed that you know David Simon obviously knows he's been there, just and it was done so well. But I just thought that was an interesting thing to bring back what you said, how people just often blindly accept things that they're unfamiliar with as kind of fact. First, first of all. If Chuck Klosterman were a real man, he would have familiarity with drug dealing in Baltimore. That's true. But secondly, it, no, it's totally true. I mean, it's like we just, you know, and, but a movie or a documentary, it's like, okay, fine, whatever. They took some liberties. It's not. No, no, no. Movie. I know. It wasn't a perfect. It wasn't right. a perfect. Yeah, example, no, 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 no. You're, no, I get what you're saying, though. And, and it, it, it probably wasn't exactly like that. It was, you know, probably a little dramatic the way. It, I mean, when, sorry for the spoiler, when Omar jumps off that fucking building and lives, that's pretty ridiculous <laughs> that scene i think that was in season five though that was already when it was gotten a little off the rails but it obviously is a great show when heather watched um sideways which is like one of my favorite movies sure she's like you know he's like merlot i fucking hate merlot you know but she's like no nah, that's just not that's false like some merlots are good i hope i'm not misquoting her i mean i think that's what she said but she you know she knows the she knows wine so all that wine info in that movie which seems so authentic was mostly bullshit so much shit is like, you ever watch a sports movie? So few of them. Did you watch the movie um, uh, Silver Linings Playbook? I, I am ashamed to admit, but yeah, it's not very good. Yeah. Right, and like Robert De Niro is like betting with his bookie and... Yeah, terrible. Sports uh, part of that movie it was like, is this is laughable. Terrible. Okay, we'll go doubling up. It was like so unrealistic. Anybody who's even have a passing familiarity with gambling was like, this is such bullshit. But people yeah. who don't probably were like, oh yeah, they're just betting on stuff. Yeah, I know who who did that movie too, and I, I like the person who did it. it Bradley Cooper. Uh, oh, you mean who? What was who uh, uh, David O. Russell was actually pretty good. That director. Um, okay, he did he did a really good boxing. What was that boxing movie? It was really the fighter. Good. Yeah, that was good. That was good. So, so Silver Lines Playbook was good. It was really good for like the first third. He's meeting Jennifer right. Lawrence. She's crazy, but she's obviously attractive, and they're having this kind of. They're both crazy, and they're having this kind of interesting relationship, and then it just devolved into like they're gonna have this dance contest. Like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I know. You know, like it was, it was like, itch, like the first third, I was like, this movie's good. And then I was like, it just devolved into some Hollywood cheese. Yeah, no, for sure. No, no, no question about it. Um, what, uh, yeah, no, Sideways, so good. Um, what, was Alexander Payne coming out with anything recently? I don't I know. He- I don't know. I'm not like one of those movie buff knows what the directors are up to and shit like that. You know, I just see yeah, I, 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 my point is I just actually care more about directors than I do, like, actors or anything. But um, yeah. anyway, I just looked this up over a talking list. I'm curious. Uh, what do you think the odds are Donald Trump serves uh, out his four-year term? I think, I mean, it's highly likely. I would say it's, like, I don't know, at least five to one to, that he doesn't. I think it's five to one. You'd have to get five to one to say that he doesn't serve out the four years. Maybe ten to one. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's a new movie called Downsize, and I knew there was one with Matt Damon, which is getting mixed reviews. Uh, it's a uh, no is just plus 120. Minus 150, yes, he will. Wow. I could bet minus 150? Yeah. I should bet, like, a ton of money on that. If the Democrats don't, like, wise up and move away from that corporatist, you know, neoliberal type of candidate, and they actually, if they don't run a populist candidate with some charisma, if they run a phony again, he'll win again. He will win. I'm, I am almost positive he'll win if they don't wow. run, like, a serious candidate, like a legitimate human being, you know, not just some corporate toady that's standing in to represent the special interests. I mean, if they, and, and I don't know that they're going to. They have still have time, but, like, they're still fighting over the loss. They, they haven't just gotten over it and been like, no, you lost because you didn't campaign in the key spaces. You lost because you were a terrible candidate. Nobody liked you. And everyone knew nobody liked you, and you cheated the other guy who was running against you. Until they face that, I mean, I, I think he'll probably win again. That's interesting. So not, not only are you arguing that, that you should bet yes, but you're saying he might even win again. I think he will, unless, unless he starts a war. Because sometimes, you know, you normally think, oh, you know, war, like it's people rally around the president. But it's one of those things where nobody wants that shit. And to the extent that he got elected on anything, it was like make America great, which is bullshit. But it's, stay out of like all these foreign lands, where, which we don't have any interest in, really. So, so far he hasn't. I'm happy that is the case. I hope he doesn't do it. Yeah. Um, interesting. That is really interesting. All right. Before we get to these games, uh, one, one more thing by you is I just realized you probably haven't even seen it yet, uh, being out of touch and all just in general, regardless of what country you're in. But uh, I don't know if you realize this, but uh, I know you're a fan. A new Black Mirror uh, came out on Netflix Friday. Did you know this? Yeah, I was so wasted. It wasn't New Year's Eve. The night before, Heather and I watched it in the hotel room in Porto. Uh, Sasha stayed over at our friend's house, and uh, I mean, I was so wasted. I was like squinting with one eye open. I actually bet Heather a thousand dollars, which is the only person I don't honor a bet because she owes me a million for a similar <laughs> bet that she never paid. That one of the guys, and it was Ray Liotta. I was like squinting <laughs> through one eye. I was like, "That's Ray Liotta." She's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, "Yeah, it is." I'll bet you a thousand. And then I like finally was able to open my eyes. It was not even close. But I didn't like the first two. I thought they were terrible. I thought that one with the guy with the Star Trek shit going on, that was stupid and then the other one was like big deal i'm not giving it away because i know people want to watch them but that like tracker one where tracking the kid like that was just like okay that's not so interesting the third one i didn't see all of them but i saw the third one and i thought that was pretty good the third one but they, they weren't none of the three were as good as the previous seasons in my opinion correct yeah i know it's definitely getting mixed reviews i'm very curious who whom you think is uh ray liotta though now <laughs> you gotta look he's like this older chubby guy i think can't remember which one it was, but I remember looking at that and and being like, "All right, well, let me let me know when you see the next three and a half, you know, the final three and a half uh, ones next week. Let me know what you think." Yeah. So I'm curious. So okay. the, I would say probably the best one you haven't seen yet. I will say that. Okay, I, I definitely thought the White Christmas a couple of years ago was the oh most yeah fucked up none, and disturbing. None were as good as good as that one. And, and the thing about that that was so fucked up was the very end when they're like, oh, "Let's set it to a thousand years a minute and come back tomorrow." I mean. That is like the most devastating kind of throwaway line in any – that guy had it worse than in anybody in any movie ever. And I'm talking about even Game of Thrones when that rat is eating through those people. They're like putting the, the rat in the bag and lighting the torch on the rat and he eats through those people. Remember that? And, uh, right. right. I would rather be that dude than the dude stuck in the fucking thousand years a minute all night. That's millions and millions of years. Yeah. That's no good. All right. All right let's, talk some, uh, let's talk some NFL wild card weekend. All right, so Saturday game, Titans plus eight and a half at Chiefs. Who do you got here? 
So I'd imagine this is a rarity that all four games are six plus points, right? I mean, I, I would typically think there'd be, you know, field goal or less game among the four, but I guess all four favorites covered last year in this same weekend. And this one, I'm going to lay... The, I didn't like any of these, by the way. Um, I, I guess there's some teaser options here for sure. But uh, I laid the points. Kansas City, totally different at home. Really good at home. Tennessee's a fraud. Been outscored this year. So uh, I, I laid the points here with the Chiefs. I took the points. I don't like Tennessee. And the Chiefs are okay. They're above average. But I don't think... I think the disparity is like seven, not eight and a half. So as a value proposition, I took the Titans to keep it close enough. Chiefs 27 titans 20 okay all right fair enough what's the next and uh i actually like taking the home teams in the next weekend i like taking more more dogs here actually yeah, coming off the bye too the home team next yeah week. i just think it's a, a tougher place to play uh falcons plus six and a half at rams who you take here yeah so this is a gotta be game of the week i would say a good nice primetime saturday night game looking forward to this uh, i've been kind of against atlanta for the most part this year. But you know what? They do have some interesting pieces on both, on both sides of the ball. Rams never really – this is de- totally new experience for them. Not a great home field advantage. I do believe in them. First team ever to go from lowest points per game allowed – I mean scored to highest one season to the next ever in the NFL. So um, I could see it, and I like them. I believe in them, but give me the points here. Yeah, I took the Falcons. I think it might win outright. I think the Falcons – Easily, because, I, yeah. You know, if you look at the yards per play, they're about the same. Actually, the Falcons ever so slightly better on defense, I think. Uh, actually, on both sides, but it's close. And the other thing is, like, I have to say, like, I really thought the Falcons were not going to get up off the mat when they went through a couple struggles earlier this year because they just got the worst, most devastating loss, perhaps, probably, in the history of the NFL. I mean, you're, never, you're not up 28-3 in the Super Bowl in the second half, near the end of the third quarter, and lose the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just... That's that's the worst loss you could possibly have. I'd say it's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's hard to argue anything else. And so, the fact that they're here and they made it to me is is means like this team is not a nutless monkey. And I think they're gonna they're gonna go in and they're gonna be tough. It's gonna be a war. I love the six and a half. Yeah. No. Me too. Okay. We're on board. We're on the same page on that one. And I agree with you. They definitely could win outright. All right. A couple things before we go on. If you like the podcast, go to iTunes. Rate it. Give me five stars. If there were a way to give Dalton two stars, you should, but there isn't, unfortunately. So give the podcast five stars if you, if you like it, obviously. If you don't, hopefully you just decide never to listen to it again. You can leave a comment. We like that. Uh, also, uh, if you're into fantasy sports, betting, fantasy baseball, basketball, whatever, rotowire.com slash pod. It is a free 10-day trial. You do not need a credit card. Just go to rotowire.com slash pod. You get everything that we have for free. And at the end of the 10 days, you won't be able to get in with your login, and you can subscribe or not. It's up to you, but we have no way of billing you. So, again, rotowire.com slash pod. All right, let's get on to the Sunday games. By, by the way, actually, real quick, uh, yep. Falcons, if they, if they win that game, then they go to Philly. Yeah, you know, that's obviously, right. that's the most vulnerable one seed maybe ever. So if you're in a playoff fantasy league that, you know, you, you know a draft, man, the Falcons have a lot of upside. It could be one and done, but a lot of upside. Right. And uh, the Falcons and Saints both, because either the Falcons are going there or the Saints, or, yep. or the Panthers if they beat the Saints. But, yep. yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's interesting. All right, Bills plus 8.5 at Jaguars. I just think the Jaguars are going to kill them. You know, McCoy's banged up. The Bills haven't played well on the road. It's the nasty defense. They kind of mailed it in down the stretch. But I just think they're going to destroy the Bills. So 31-9, Jaguars. Yeah, this is like a mismatch even with the healthy LaShawn McCoy. I mean, I, I get it. Running back typically not considered a very important position, even though mainstream media treats it as such. But still, it, it hurts this Buffalo team. 
that really need to, needed to run the ball. Uh, by the way, I, I think that the running back not being important is a little outdated. Maybe Me too. Three, I agree. I mean, look at look at the Saints. Look at look at Gurley and the Rams. The Patriots. Deion Lewis is like one of the best pro football focus rated backs in the league. I mean, these guys are important for those teams. It's not you know Kareem Hunt. The Chiefs went in a huge tailspin when they stopped handing the ball to Kareem Hunt. These guys are major factors in why their teams are there. Yeah, and especially if they can catch the ball. Uh, yeah, and I'm with you. I think it has been it, outdated is a good way of putting it. So I, I'm with you here. This could be a blowout. Uh, Jacksonville, you know, people kind of maybe off them coming up back-to-back games, limping into the playoffs here. Bortles, obviously a bit of a concern against uh, Buffalo, a secondary that you know racks up the interceptions at times this year. But give me Jacksonville, and, and I'll lay the wood. Yeah, I'm with you. I, want, I, I set a crazy DFS lineup with, like, Bortles and Keelan Cole. I've got a couple crazy, you know, Jacksonville defense and kicker. Like, just some crazy DFS lineups that are very uh, contrarian. Everyone's going nice. to have, like, Gurley and... Well, know. that's the time to, to be extra contrarian in these short slates. I yeah, mean, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm good. I, I've got one. There's one. Okay, so this one has Bortles, Freeman, Henry, Michael Thomas, Sammy Watkins, Keelan Cole, Kelsey, Jaguars defense, and Lambeau. And the other one is Cam Newton. This is the craziest one. Cam Newton. Running backs are Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. Receivers are Ted Ginn, Sammy Watkins, Russell Shepard. No, I'm stacking the Carolina Saints game, but no Funches and no Thomas. And then I've got Greg Olson, and i got the Jags defense, and Matt Bryant is my kicker. Nice. So, I, that's I, I don't know. Mike Thomas is set up pretty well here, I got to say. I don't know. But he, he's, I don't know. I, I could see Ginn being like, I mean, the thing is, like, you pay up for Michael Thomas and he gets you, like, seven for 90 and no touchdowns. You're like, all right, well, big deal. You know, he did okay. He's, he's just not the guy that usually goes nuts. And Ginn will catch a. No, he won't go nuts, but he'll probably get seven ninety in a touch, though, is what he'll do. With, well, I think it depends if he gets a touch. I think Ginn might get four for 106 in a touch, that, and then you get a way better deal. No, I like Gen too. No, Carolina is uh, vulnerable to wide receivers, so that's that's fine too. I like right. it. All right. So speaking of that game, Panthers plus six and a half at Saints. I took the Panthers. I think the Saints are good, and they they handled the Panthers this year so far. But it's the third time they've met. Cam is such a wild card. I feel like the defense is pretty good for the Panthers, but it's really about whether Cam. You know, Cam could be Russell Wilson or he could be Deshaun Kaiser. You never know really which Cam you're going to get. But if he shows up, I think it's going to be a war. So I, I took the Panthers. I mean, maybe there's something to that, and I'm completely just uh, not giving up credit to the whole third time they're facing each other. But I've just completely disregarded that. But I guess familiarity could lead to an uglier, closer game. But I hate the whole um, – maybe I'm getting too, uh, too, too the other way because of the people being like, oh, it's so hard to beat a team three times in one year. Well, not if you're 2-0, and oh, it's not. It's Obviously. just as hard to beat them once. right? If you start at 2-0, oh, it's easy to – it's really hard to, for you know for Cal Ripken to play twenty one hundred something games, whatever he did. But when you played one less than that, it's easy. You just play one game. <laughs> yeah, super. Easy. And well, even even further during that third matchup, teams that have won the previous two have like a sixty seven percent winning percentage or something. Like right. they're, you're, they're more, you know. I mean, yeah, so but I'm more right. Like, well, first of all, that's not that crazy because you assume there's in the. It's on the road because they're two games ahead for the two right. games. Plus, they win right. a tiebreaker. So the other team would have to be three games ahead to be swept and be right. ahead of them in the playoff matchup. So 65% is almost like this the three. You know, that's like 60-40. So most of that's just explained by home road. So it's really kind of like they're barely better than doing, you know, facing an equal team. And this line's six and a half. So I actually think the Panthers are a good value based on that. But I don't think that's – I think that's a little relevant because I do think the more familiarity – the teams have the more it uh, favors the defenses, 
And when you favor the defenses, you get lower scoring games. Then lower scoring games, the the more points you have, the more valuable it is. It's entirely possible, but Cam Newton in that passing offense has just been a joke. And I'm just a believer in the Saints. I think they could win the Super Bowl, so I made them my best bet. Maybe it's just could because it begged me at that you know right under the seven points. But uh, like I said, I didn't love any of the four. I just think there's a lot of teaser opportunities. Obviously, you could roll all four of these, get it under the you know near a pick'em. So. Do what you want with that. I, I actually expect it to be mostly chalk with uh, the Falcons, the best chance at an upset. So I took the Saints here. Yeah, my best bet's the Jaguars. I just think they're going to crush, and it's just going to be easy. Nice. Cool. All right, man. Well, I'm sad we can't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get to text um, our guy in Vegas to, to make the super contest, but assuming we, neither of us are broke and or homeless and, or, you know, out of jail, I, I'd like to do it again next year. Yeah, now that you bought some Bitcoin, I think you'll be okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Good call. All right, man. Take it easy, Dalton. All right. Happy New Year, Liz, and uh, we'll talk to you later.